Welcome back to the Unlocking Theatre podcast. Today's guest is West End star Georgia Louise. She's played Sophie in Mamma Mia and was also Maggie in Kinky Boots. But first of all, before we kick off that interview, let's have a rundown of this week's theatre news. So Cursed Child has announced that they're postponing performances until February 2021. The Bridge Theatre plans to reopen with a summer season featuring performance from Imelda Staunton. Maxine Peake and Tamsin Gregg. Alice Fern's intermissions finished this week with special guest Kimberly Walsh and venues were lit up red to raise awareness for the arts. We hope you enjoy listening. I'm George Louise. I trained at Mountview from 2014 to 2017. Oh my goodness, I feel old now. <laughs> um, after graduating in 2017, well before graduating actually, I went into Kinky Boots the musical as understudy Lauren. And then during my time in Kinky Boots, I got Sophie in Mamma Mia. And then after Mamma Mia, I did a little show called Preludes at the Southern Playhouse. And now here I am talking to you guys. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been up to during lockdown? Like, how are you trying to kind of stay busy? I mean, the first couple of months, I was just despairing, really. I think people shouldn't be ashamed to say that because it's a completely new thing that we were not expecting. And like, I had my whole 2020 planned out. I knew exactly what my life was going to look like for a good year. And then suddenly everything was put on hold and I was living at home again and I felt like a teenager and like I was asking what was for tea and like <laughs> and it was just all so odd but then through the struggle I kind of found things that made me feel better so like I took up drawing writing poetry reading because I realized that I've been so busy that I haven't read a book in forever and I've been teaching which has brought me probably the most joy because it means I get to do what I enjoy doing again, not necessarily performing, but kind of passing on performance tips and whatnot. So that's been something that's really helped me. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just important to kind of stay busy, isn't it? Because none of us were expecting this and then all of a sudden we're in it. So you mentioned that you trained at Mount View and you graduated in 2017. I just wondered what inspired you to apply there specifically? Um... I don't know why, because I always said I wanted to go to Mount View from when I was about six. And the only explanation for it is that I think I must have seen it in a program. (laughs) (laughs) And because I always, me and my mum always used to do it. We'd get a program and go, oh, they went to Bird. Oh, they went to Mount View. Oh, they went to Lane. And I must have seen a show where there was a lot of Mount Viewers in it. I think I saw Billy Elliot. That was quite a Mount View heavy show. And I was just like, okay, I'll do that then. Because often like leads in shows tended to be from Mount View as well. And that was something that I always kind of aspired to do. So I think from then on, it was kind of planted in my brain that, yeah, I think I want to go there. And I was kind of so cocky at 17 that I was like, (laughs) I'm only going to audition for Mount View and Arts Said, and that's it. Even though it was like, the be all and end all of everything. And I was like, if I don't get into drama school, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. So I really didn't give myself much of a chance. So I was very, very lucky to get in. Because, you know, I didn't even get through to the dance, uh, after the dance school art said I got cut. So that's when in my head I was like, uh oh. <laughs> but then I auditioned for Mount View. And as soon as I walked in the building, I just knew. 
And that's what I always say to people, because some people have schools built up in their heads. And I'm so lucky that I built this school up in my head and I actually liked it. You know, you don't know what it's going to feel yeah. like until you're actually there. So my advice for anyone thinking about drama schools would be to try not to build one school up in your head because you might get there and not like it at all. And then the school that you never thought you'd go to, you'd love. So I was just lucky that when I walked into Mount View, I thought, oh, I can see myself literally living in this building for three years. <laughs> were there any sort of useful techniques you learned whilst you were there that you've carried forward with you? Yeah, I mean, one of the most useful things that I got told was everything that you get told at drama school is someone giving you a tool and you can choose to put that tool in your toolbox or throw it away. Like not everything that you get taught is the be all and end all and it might not necessarily work for you that's something I found really important and integral to my training that not everything I was told and taught would work for me it might be perfect for someone else but for me I can choose to not put that tool in my toolkit that I'm going to carry with me throughout my career I learned a lot about kind of being in the moment regarding acting because I went there as like a very, very stagey musical theatre person. And I was like, I only like musicals. What's a play? I don't care about Shakespeare. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my God, please, you need to know everything about those things so you can do musical theatre the best. So like, again, it's about like not pigeonholing yourself because if you think I'm a musical theatre actor, you're closing yourself off to so many amazing techniques and things. So I now think of myself as an actor. I'm not a musical theatre actor. I can do all things, which is so important <laughs> to think of. What else did I learn there? Um, that your process is your process and you will grow and change in a different rate compared to other people. So, you know, I don't consider myself a dancer. So the first couple of months in dance classes, I was just getting so down on myself because... I could see other people doing amazing and I wasn't doing as well. And then one teacher said to me, well, you know, you're probably not going to be in for parts that are proper dance parts, which 14 year old me thinking I was going to be the white cat in cats was very sad about. <laughs> <laughs> you learn those things. You, you kind of learn along the way, like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I can't do that. And it's not like in a bad way learning, like, oh, I can't do these things. It's just kind of being realistic because your hobby changes into your career and that step is is huge and it's quite jarring because something that you used to love and enjoy and do every single day after school and how you met all your closest friends and things like that is now your way of making money and your job and it's it's very jarring it's quite a big jump and kind of learning how to take things and use your own process and not get put off by other people is really important and also then you have to learn how to enjoy training in the thing that you used to do as a hobby and used to really enjoy because it does get tiring and some days it is not fun some days you wake up and you go I do not want to do Brecht today that is the last thing on my mind but you know it's about kind of hauling yourself out of bed and dragging yourself there and getting yourself through those difficult times because you know there are people that always say second year is the hardest than it is because that second year is always about kind of breaking you down and building you back up to be kind of your new version of the performer that you are and I think it's really important to know that it is going to be hard and so many people think performing arts is an easy job 
we've all heard it like oh yeah. you just sing out in France on stage and it's like no I sing for an hour in acting through song and dig really deep down to a really personal emotional feeling sob about it in front of 30 of my classmates and then I'm expected to go to tap and pretend everything's fine like <laughs> it, it, it is hard and it's so important to know that so if you're struggling at drama school you're not alone and there are things in place to help get you through that and when I was there, there really wasn't that much mental health support and it was really hard and I could have really done with that. But now I've seen the new building at Mount View and everything like that and they've got a great mental health support system and it also means that a lot less people leave because they have people to tell them that their thoughts are irrational or how to manage being there. Because again, you're, you're 18 and you're on your own. Like, I didn't know how to make a bed or, you know, my mom tried to tell me, but I was like, I want to dance. I don't care. Um, but like, again, it's like, you have to learn how to cook. You have to learn how to also when you're 18, it's when you are allowed to vote. And sometimes you get in this massive group of people who have all these political opinions and you're an 18 year old from Grimsby who literally knows nothing about that. And then, so then you feel kind of dumb. And like, there's so many aspects of things that are thrown at you and it's not easy. And it shouldn't feel easy and it's fine to not feel okay and feel like it's hard because it is hard. It's not an easy profession at all. No, not at all. Would you say that your experience of drama school kind of inspired you to sort of teach others and kind of take those experiences you were talking about and sort of bring that to your teaching as well? Yeah, for sure. Because I've had teachers who have completely changed my voice or the way I see things and I was really inspired by them because them giving me that little nugget of knowledge helped me become the performer I am. And I just really enjoy helping people get that information. Cause I always say to my pupils, I'm giving you the information and the tips and the tricks and stuff, but you're the one applying them. So give yourself some credit because a teacher can give you the, the tools, but it's you who applies them. So yeah, I really enjoy kind of helping people, uh, especially people pre-drama school because now because of the internet you see so much information about kind of singing techniques and what's expected of you as a performer and if you can't access that it's so scary going to an audition and being like I've got to sing and in a still model and I don't know what that is and I have no idea what that is and then I enjoy kind of helping people understand things before they go so that the audition is a little less intense and a bit more of a relaxing thing <laughs> and just a final kind of question how do you kind of prepare for each character you play I know when you're at Mountview you played like Sleeping Beauty and you were in Billy Elliot amongst many other ones and also what has been your favorite accent to do so far Ooh. so when I was in third year I did a show called Lockhart I played a 65 year old woman with kidney failure in a wheelchair who didn't have any legs. Wow. Yeah. As a 20 year old, it's a bit like, okay, are you trying to make me fail here? Cause I can't do that. But being given that role, something that I am not and in no way could be really forced me to discover my process and how I found a character. So I would spend days and days around that Mountview building in the wheelchair, trying to figure out like how hard it is for people who have no accessibility, how hard it is to get up steps and things like that. And I'd really try to live in that space and that mindset for a good month and a half, you know. And she was a Southern lady too. And I think that is still my favorite accent because that angry Southern 60 year old woman sometimes comes out in me now. <laughs> <laughs> but 
as I said, like processes are so different, but I always find finding the physicality of a character really important because if all else fails, you have that physicality to fall back into, which then can trick your muscle memory into remembering everything else about the character. So for Kinky Boots, like my ensemble character Maggie is very, very shy. So she kind of had higher shoulders. And like when she met the drag queens, it was like a very intense thing. But then by the end of the show, she was more loose because she'd like met her new drag queen best friend. It's so important as an ensemble character. Don't think you're not important because nothing is more fun than being given a character who has no backstory and no rules and being able to make the whole thing for yourself. It's so much fun. Because the last thing you want is to be like sat in the back of a stage on a sewing machine like... I'm just me like it's so much more fun to be in that world and create a character for yourself whereas Lauren she's more cocky she's such a tomboy like and I always have a song for my characters too so when I went on for Lauren that one day I listened to Mr Brightside because I was like that's such a Lauren song like I'm coming out (laughs) just getting into that space before I went on really helped and kind of like getting rid of everyone else around me, especially as an understudy. The last thing you want is to be like, seeing all the people around you being like, good luck, good luck. And it's like, it's a lot. So like having that time for myself to just listen to that song, really get into my headspace and physicality really helped me forget that I was going on for a lead for the first time ever in my life at the Adelphi. Like, <laughs> whereas Sophie, she's like, how old is she? She's 20. Like she's more sure of herself. I kind of watched Sarah a lot and kind of, studied her physicality and her mannerisms because you know they've spent their whole lives together so then I kind of incorporated some of Sarah's mannerisms and body language into me and we were both northern as well which was fun and then for Natalia she's like an 18 year old Russian lady but because the piece was set in a very odd space it wasn't really set for what it should have been set I was kind of allowed to take (laughs) this character my little uh, (laughs) crazy Russian lady and make her kind of a punk rocker which was really fun because it's so against what you would expect of women in those times my director just kind of said to me like imagine she's like can't remember, like she's like pink she's like Bjork she's just mental <laughs> and I was like oh my god that's so much fun like I get to completely subvert people's expectations of what that character possibly could be um and Preludes was especially fun because obviously in these West End shows it's very much a machine and that's, you exactly know that when you go into it, I'm not gonna have much of a say on this character. This character has been this way for so many years. Someone has played me before them and you're kind of given stand on 12. This is how this song should be put across. I mean, you have some leeway and you're allowed to kind of put your own interpretation on it, but it's very kind of restricted. Whereas the preludes, it was like, go wild. Where do you want to stand? How do you feel? What do you want to do? Roll on the floor, go crazy, like do what you want. And that was kind of what I was taught at Mountview to, to kind of really follow your instincts, make these huge big choices. It's better to make a big choice than make a tiny choice because at least then a big choice can be pulled back. So yeah, I think each of my characters has like a different place in my body and I could access them if I wanted to which is really cool and also the costumes and wigs always help (laughs) but you literally look like a different person so yeah it's always fun to go to a costume fitting and like get given your wig for the first time and you're like okay this is what I'm gonna look like now for these two hours of my life (laughs) I wanted to ask a little bit about your time in the National Youth Music Theatre So what was it like being a part of theatre at such a young age? It was a dream come true because I did 13 The Musical and Jason Robert Brown was directing it. 
I was 15 at the time and the last five years was my whole life. I used to think that I was Kathy. I was 15, but fully going through these emotions, like 15, having no idea what real romance is or anything, but I felt it. But like, I was obsessed with all of his musicals. I was obsessed with him. I used to listen to his album and, and his voice. So going to that audition and meeting him would have been enough. Like if I didn't get the part, I'd be like, great, at least I got to meet my hero. But then I got the part and I actually got to work with him for like over a year. And I really think that experience solidified in my head that this was where I belong. This is what I wanted to do. And MYMT really gave me that. And, you know, I, I work with Drew McConey. I work with Torquil Monroe. I work with Jason Robert Brown, like these big, big people who now yeah. I meet at auditions. I see them again. and. I, it kind of almost gave me a leg up into the industry because I knew people and being the cocky child I was, I got like Drew McConey and Jason Robert Brown to write my references for Mountview. <laughs> Very cocky. But you know, it, it was amazing because it was kind of the first time I was in a professional setting and it was like, oh, this is so different to Amdram. Wow, things really work differently here. And like, I was given a score and I wasn't learning the music off a cast recording. You know, I had to learn how to read the music, which was something I'd never had to do before and I was in a room full of people who were as driven and wanted to do this as much as I did because you know a lot of people in Amdram do it for fun and things like that but this was like yeah. this is serious and I remember stepping onto that stage for the first time and just being like oh, it was like one of those movie moments which I think is why I've been so casual about like my career later I was like yeah I make my debut in Kinky Biz it's fine because I kind of made it when I was 15 I made that debut and that was like so big in my head at 15 and then it, it was just amazing and they look after they looked after me so well like I still speak to so many of them I've got my best friends from that show you know I got a cast recording out of it which is gross it's my 16 year old very wide vibrato, <laughs> but it's a lovely memory to have and it's something that people ask me about because they're like oh you work with Jason Brown or oh you're in 13 I know that show so it's been really fun and I've been invited to a lot of like production of of 13 afterwards so I've got to like see people who's 13 which is really sweet but god I always tell everyone audition for MYMT do it like even even if you just want to do the audition that audition helped me prepare mentally for drama school auditions because I'd already been in that kind of scary big scenario learning how to pick up choreography really quick singing by yourself but in front of a group of like 20 other people who are up for the same part as you like it really really helped me prepare at such a young age for this industry really well. How did you juggle doing shows and still keeping up with school at such a young age? I was lucky because 13 always happened on like the holidays so we'd go during Easter and learn the first bits of the show like the bare bones and then we went back in the summer and did the whole rest of the show but we did the show in like I think it was two weeks so it was quite quick so I was quite lucky but it was it was very jarring because I never really wanted to be in Grimsby I didn't like it I was horrifically bullied at school for being an actor because they always call me a drama queen and things like that so getting that job also helped me feel like okay maybe I can get out of it but it was quite jarring going from like I'm doing professional rehearsals for a musical in the West End to going back to year 11 with people who didn't like me and doing subjects I didn't like and then also it was really jarring after the show ended because I was going to college and it was like oh 
I kind of, you ca- I kind of built up in my head, like, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to get an agent and then I'm going to go here. And I did get an agent, but you know, I was 16. There were no parts for me. Like there was nothing I could do. So I had to go and get my A-levels. Yeah. So it, it was quite jarring, but it also gave me that drive to get back there. Because when I was sat in class, I was thinking, oh my God, I'd much rather be doing 10 hours of dance rehearsals than my English <laughs> combined, you know? Yeah. So it, it also helped really give me that drive and really made me push to work really hard to better myself, get my A-levels and then just get out of there. Emily wants to talk a bit about kinky boots now, I think. I do. It's my favourite because drag queens, my (laughs) favourite. So you've kind of said that after graduating, you went into kinky boots. What was it like going to like a well-established show straight after graduating? It was crazy because I was doing my third year show, You're in Town, my last show. And I'd got kinky boots before that. So to get a job before graduating as well was like, oh my goodness, this is happening. <laughs> like things are happening very fast. So I, I was so scared. Alan, who played Don in my cast, used to call me the quiet one for a good four months because I would just be like so scared and terrified. And that's not because of how the rehearsals were. The rehearsals were so fun and lovely and everyone was great. But I think the pressure and like the realization of everything and because it happened so quick, I don't think I really realized what was happening until like the second week of rehearsals when I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be in a West End show. <laughs> um, but it was, it was also really interesting because normally you build a show up from the ground at Mountview and there's kind of no rules and you're creating a character. And even if you're doing a show that's well known, it's Mountview's version. So to go into a show that was well established, had part like parts for everyone and someone had played the part before you and you were having a costume so you'd look exactly like the person before you, it was quite odd. And it was just a completely new way of learning really. And again, every show is a different process completely, but Kinky Boots was really fun and I got to play around with Maggie a lot and like give her her own character and mannerisms and things like that, which was really fun. And also being around the boys who played the drag queens is, yeah. uh, they had a joke that I used to take longer to do my makeup. Than the- <laughs> it's like, I would watch them do all the makeup and I'd be like, oh, I want to learn about baking. So I'd go on YouTube and learn about it. And then Maggie, the factory worker, would be sat with a full on bake an hour before the show. Like, hi guys, how are you? <laughs> But no, Kinky Boots will always be really special to me because the people in it are still my closest friends. And it was my first experience of being in that machine, like learning how to be a cog and not learning how to be the lead. Because like also when you're in Amdram, if you're good, you get to play the leads all the time. So that's what I did. So learning how to also kind of be in an ensemble, learning how to blend, but also learning how to kind of steal the limelight a little bit when you want to do and things like that. Like it was a completely new experience for me. And yeah, I was terrified at the beginning, but as soon as I kind of settled in and there were a lot of us making our debuts, which was nice because I could kind of go to them and tell them when I was a bit scared and we could all kind of reassure each other that everything was going to be fine. And then as soon as the show opened, it's a job so you do it every day and it becomes normal eventually it's never normal it's not normal job but like it becomes your every day and I'm just going to work and and that's it and then there are moments when you're on stage and you suddenly realize what's going on because it's a job you just kind of do it and your muscle memory just kind of carries you through the show and there'd be moments where I'd be doing like what a man and halfway through I'd be like there's an audience here and I'm on the (laughs) website funny like you don't really 
take in everything because it's such a big deal that you don't really want to allow it to scare you in a way. But no, it was, it was very, very special to me. And I was very lucky to get a job before leaving drama school. Very lucky. And that doesn't happen to everyone. And that's not expected of you. In no way, shape or form is that expected of you. I was just very lucky. <laughs> so how did it go from playing Maggie to then playing Lauren for the first time? Yeah, it was, I mean, I was prepared, luckily, because the company was really great. I'd already had two cover runs in costume and things like that. Not everyone else around you was in costume, though, which is a bit weird when you then go to doing the show and it's like, oh, oh, who are you again? You're in a wig now. <laughs> um, but like, I was very well prepped. And also the perfectionist I am, I would like read the script all the time and like go through everything in my head. And I had private sessions with the director and the choreographer as well. So like, I was very well prepared for a second cover as well to have that much kind of prep work already done was great. But that kind of goes out the window when you get told you're going on. Um, <laughs> I was lucky because I got told the night before because Verity during the show wasn't feeling well. So she came off after History of Wrong Guys and she was like, baby, going on tomorrow because Susie, the first cover was on holiday. So I was like, oh my God, okay, okay, right, let's process that. So I, I at least had the whole night time to go home, do my prep, go through the whole show in my head. My boyfriend played every role ever. <laughs> Um, and I had time to get myself ready and prep myself for the, the big day. And I had two shows because I had a Wednesday. So I was really lucky because the first show, complete blur. Can't remember a damn thing. Honestly, no idea what happened um, because it was just about getting through it. And that's always what it's like when the first time you go on as a cover, it's just about getting the job done. Second time, I got to enjoy it a bit more. And I was actually more nervous because I was able to think about things a bit more because it wasn't so like intense. So yeah, it was, it was so much fun. I had so much fun. And I've got like Alan videoed me doing History of Wrong Guys at the side of the stage. So I'll always have that. And it's so cute because at the side of the stage, you see all my friends who are the angels stacked up up the side of the stage. Like little angel angel totem pole. It's so cute. But it was great because again, that doing that and playing the lead really solidified to me. I was like, yes, this is the goal. This is what I want to do. And then when I got Sophie, it was like, oh, I'm going to have to do that every night because not only are you a lead, like Lauren's not necessarily the lead, but she's a female lead. And you're kind of leading a company too, and you're setting an example and with professionalism, how you approach things. So there's also the pressure that goes with being a lead that you don't really know until you're doing it, <laughs> that it's there. What was it like going into Mamma Mia and playing a role that everyone, like if they hadn't seen it on stage, they'd seen the film and they'd seen Amanda do it. What was it like going into that? It's odd because a lot of people kind of think they're off to see the film. Like some people genuinely do think that Amanda Seyfried is going to be in the show. It's like some people just don't know. So they actually think they're going to go and see Meryl Streep and some people go to the box office and they go, is Cher in this? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Um, It's scary. Like I remember my first costume fitting trying on that first outfit, the blue outfit with the blue yeah. tie skirt and the blue top and all the shells and things like that. And it was like, oh my God, I've watched this show like four times. I've seen the Sophie outfits and now I'm wearing it and I'm wearing it all the time. It's not even like it's mine sometimes. I'm wearing that every day. So it was scary. And like things are expected of you, especially when there's a film. So people who don't have access to theatre and maybe might be just seeing Mamma Mia as their one theatre experience and they've seen the film, it's like, oh God, now I have to give them 
the the feelings and the emotions and the voices that they expect to see when they watch the film. But you eventually find your version of the character and through a year doing it as well, your character changes and grows. So that first preview, Sophie, eight months in was completely gone. You know, things evolve and change and it's okay to do that. It's okay to find different ways of doing things. And that's how it keeps you sane as well. Because if you did the same thing every day for eight shows, you'd go crazy because it would be boring. So you've got to find new things that inspire you without changing things too much because that's when you get noted because people tell you look you're you're making too many changes and this is how the show should be so you have to find your little ways of making things more fun so i used to choose a word before each show so i'd be like oh excitement okay the main aura of this sophie journey for me today is excitement and wherever i can kind of put that into the way i say things or the way i do things it will make things more exciting for me and it it is scary because sophie as well is like I I don't have like great self-esteem. So like when I got it, like even got asked to come in for Sophie, I was like, why? I'm like 5'2 from Grimsby and I don't think I'm that attractive. So why am I in for Sophie again? So sometimes that plays on your mind as well because you have like those self-conscious things that then you're playing like a pretty lead role that you've always watched beautiful, stunning, like model-esque girls play and then you're playing it and it's kind of like, ooh, I've got to live up to that. But then again, I was like, okay, I'm 5'2", and I'm like a bit more feisty than maybe someone else who's done it. So I'll use that for my Sophie. And you kind of find ways to use your kind of worries and insecurities to your benefit. And, you know, when you come out of stage door, people still think you're Sophie. I've had so many like drunk groups of Hindus, like, Sophie, come and give me a hug. I, <laughs> I had one woman when I was sat on the front of the stage during Knowing Me, Knowing You, you have to sit right at the front. And the whole time she was going, Sophie, 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 I'm trying to find my dad. One second, darling. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it is is scary to step into the shoes of a role that has been the way it is for, what, 15, 20 years? You know, it's big boots to fill, but you have to be confident in the fact that you were chosen and you don't have to prove yourself because that's something that I had in my head. Like, oh, now I've been picked to play the role. I have to prove myself. And it's like, no, you've auditioned. You've done seven auditions and they pick you. You've proven yourself. Now you can enjoy yourself because you don't have to prove yourself to anyone because you've got the part. It's not going to be taken away. So, yeah, it's really important to find your own interpretation of the character, not get stuck on like copying cast recordings or if you've seen the show thinking like oh well this Sophie did this and it's like yeah because that's her Sophie that's fine so yeah it, it was it was fun to find my version of a very iconic and done character and it was a nice challenge as well to kind of work within the parameters of what I could and couldn't do. Did you find that you knew the music before going into it because it's oh, just sure. so iconic? Yeah because I that was the, it was the first show I ever saw um, when I was like seven and I used to listen to the cast recording all the time so I knew all of it so also going into the audition you have to be like right I need to get rid of all of that in my head that I think that that, that my brain knows about this show and how things are sung get rid of that and just go in and do it as me because they don't want to see you try and copy anyone else because that's why they do a cast change so it's fresh but yeah for sure I knew all the songs all of them <laughs> which is hard because sometimes like with thank you for the music 
you look at the notes and you're like, oh yeah, thank you for the music. And then the MD's like, no, 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 it's thank you for the music. And you're like, oh no, I've learned this in my head for like 10 years as a child. And I think I knew the song and now you've got to completely unlearn like an iconic song in your head to actually learn the right notes on the page. So that is quite hard. And also learning the music like within the context of the show and how musical theatre you can make the pop songs and things like that. I'm like, a, I'm a very musical theatre singer. I've got a lot of vib. And I had to tone it down a lot for Mamma Mia because they want the sound to sound like ABBA. And that's just how it is. Um, so you really have to kind of study ABBA as well and, and how they shape the vowels and how they straight tone and how they make things sound because you want that it is it's it's expected of you to emulate that sound right i think we're going to finish with some quick fire questions mm -hmm. some are stagey some aren't brilliant so we're going to start with dogs or cats oh cats okay kinky boots or mamma mia kinky boots night in night out night in greatest showman or la la land la la land if you could go back in time and see any production of any show, what would it be? Oh, the original cast of Next to Normal. Yes! Thank you! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yes! That's made my day. My favourite show in the whole entire world. Yes! <laughs> oh, that's made me so happy. <laughs> what is your dream role? Oh, um, it changes a lot. Uh, but one that I've always wanted to play is Glinda. Always. Oh. Classic. Also, Julie Jordan in Carousel, it'd be really nice to do a legit and make a change. Sandy in Greece, always wanted to play that role. Uh, there are so many, and every new show that comes up, I'm like, ooh. Um, but I would really like to do some like classic, legit roles, for sure. Um, a dream theatre to work in. The Southwark was one. And I got to do that because all my like most of the best shows I've ever seen, like Grey Gardens is my number one top show ever. And that was at the sort of playhouse. And then from then I was like, oh, I really want to do that. So I've kind of ticked one off. But oh, um, maybe like the O2 Arena when I do my, <laughs> like a Dina Menzel, you know. Um, or the Dominion. The Dominion would be really cool because that's huge. Um, something you can't live without in your dressing room. Oh, um, probably all my vocal suites and things like that. My, like anyone who knows me knows I am awful because I have every remedy, every suite, every steamer. I must be prepared. So like, <laughs> I've got everything. So probably like my Grether's pastels. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question after lockdown, what is the first show you want to go see? Ooh, um, that's hard. Hmm. Probably the new production of Les Mis. I've not seen that yet. And, you know, I've yeah. seen Les Mis a good 12 times because it was like, <laughs> it was my drama school thing. If I ever felt sad, I was like, oh, I'll go and take myself to a matinee and pay £12 to stand. Standing at Les Mis is painful, by the way. Oh, it's <laughs> long. Stand. But I got used to it. So yeah, probably the new production because I'm, I'm just so intrigued to, for something that's like so ingrained in my mind. And like, I know every piece of that show. It would be really interested to have that kind of flipped on its head and see a completely new version. Like, I think it'd be really cool.